Welcome to the Owner's Box. Now, here's Billy Koch and Michelle Yu. everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Owner's Box. I'm Billy Koch, founder and managing partner of the Little Red Feather Racing Club. Joining me alongside, as always, is the great Michelle Yu. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Billy. Now, uh, we have a very un- unorthodox show today because uh, you had to fill in and do the interview yourself with a very special guest. Who'd you talk to? Yeah, we had Jimmy George on, who's the marketing director for Tattersalls. And uh, the the interview time, which we thought was Pacific time, actually ended up being UK time, which meant that it was about 5.45 this morning. So well, I braved it alone. Yeah, you, you braved it alone. Uh, got kind of messed up, but I, I, I listened to it and you did a great job. Oh, thank you. So I look forward to, to bringing it to our to our our listening audience, which is growing by the by the day we get more and more people listening to the show, Michelle. Excellent. Billy, did you have a good birthday? I had a great birthday. I had an absolutely outstanding birthday last week. Uh, Had a a bunch of great dinners. Uh, uh, Went to Ken's with uh, Umberto Rispoli and Flavian Pratt on my birthday. Uh, Pratt Pratt brought me a beautiful uh, bottle of Weller's. And uh, then, uh, oh, it's a great, great, uh, great drink. Great, great bourbon. Oh, so good. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, Ken Ken actually gave me a a, giant, a beautiful bottle of sake that I plan on drinking this weekend. Um, and it was just uh, overall just a good good weekend. Really fun. Well, good. I'm so glad. Yeah. How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was good. Um, I cooked at my mom's house because she's got double ovens, and oh. it was just quiet and small. It was. Uh, like the four of us, and then my mom and Zoe. Oh, that was nice. What's the what was the best dish you prepared? Oh well, I mean, I really, really love stuffing. So stuffing is like my me favorite too. thing. I know. I'm you. I made you bring me Kathy's stuffing one time. I did. She makes this. I don't know what she does, but she's just some kind of genius. Yeah, we had a, we had it over here at the house, and and uh, the food was fantastic. Oh. I'll tell you what, today I ate my last plate of leftovers. I still had stuffing left over because I make two batches, but oh. I just, I literally couldn't eat anymore. Like, yeah, yeah it was, no, it was I, good. I get it. I get it. Well, happy post Thanksgiving. And we, as we approach the holiday season, uh, Michelle, what are our three things of note for today's show? So the first thing of note is that Kentucky Derby winner Mage has been retired now. Um, he is actually already at Airdrie Stud, where he will stand for the 2024 breeding season. And there was a nice video of him getting off the van over at Airdrie, which is owned by our good friend Brett Jones. Um, now earlier this month, they said that he was going to be racing. He was going to be going to the Pegasus and everything, but I guess they did a scan of some sort. They do a routine end of the season scan and there were beginnings of a small issue that would require him to have, you know, some time off. And once you do that, <clears throat> I'm sure it just, you know, pushes everything back. So, yeah. unfortunately, we are not going to see any more of Mage on the racetrack. He does retire as North America's leading three-year-old earner with more than $2.5 million in earnings. It, 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 listen, for a horse that only won two races, he had a pretty impressive campaign. Right. 
I, it's so I funny. I don't know what it's, we're going to do for three-year-old of the year. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I think it's going to be Arcangelo. Maybe? Uh, no? No. All right. I, uh, okay. All right. Um, the second thing of note is that Equinox won the Japan Cup oh. in a crazy fashion. I yeah. mean, he was come from behind. Literally, they turned for home, and he's really far back in front of Panthalasa, who we know is a loose on the lead type. Um, I was like, ooh, is he good enough? And all of a sudden, he just switched another gear, and he gobbled up that ground. It was insane. Is it Equinox or Equinox? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I say, like, Equinox because it's, like, equ- I don't know, Equinox? Whatever. I don't know. The I, best I, horse yeah. in the world. He's the best horse in the world. Best horse in the world, yeah. Yes, yeah, so that was a that was a thrilling rendition, and uh, congrats to all his connections. And uh, be cool to so see him race over here. Is he done? He's owned by Silk Racing is and trained by Tetsuya Kimura, um, and Christophe Lemaire does ride him. Um, is, is he done, Michelle? Is, well, that's what they don't know. And they said, the trainer said, I'm, I'm quoting this directly from Blood Horse, Please pump the brakes on any speculation. Via a translator, he said, I would like to request you to give us some holiday. Give me some holiday. Um, I did read another article that it made him so nervous every, like, race going into it, you know, to make sure the horse is going to perform well. Uh, So it was like tears of relief and joy after he won. Um, And they don't know what they're going to do with him. So we're going to we're going to wait. Man, wouldn't it be great if he came to Del Mar next year? Yeah, wouldn't it be? I mean, look, there's so many. There's there's Saudi, there's Dubai, there's yeah. the Ark, there's – I mean, Japan wants to win the Ark really bad too, right? Like, yep. there's there's some big races for him. I hear you. I Hopefully hear you. they keep him racing and they don't just send him off to stud. Yeah, I saw like – I mean, he's, he's four or five. He's four, about to be five. I saw a bunch of tweets on this whole, you know – all the three-year-olds going off to stud and what can be done. And I just, I wish I had the answer, Michelle. Maybe we should talk to Commissioner Ripoli. Yeah, right. Anyway. Um, okay. Our third thing of note is that the, there's an overview conference coming up on dentistry and hoof care, or it's available. Um, so they had it on Tuesday, November 7th, and you can uh, watch the conference. And that is obviously brought to you by the owner's view, which is um, part of TOBA. And attendees were able to ask questions through like the Zoom Q&A feature, which I thought was very cool. Um, so if you want to know about getting your horse's teeth floated or if you want to know about um, the any, any kind of barrier care, those are both really great to watch. Also, there is one more. Um, virtual panel coming up on December 5th, and it's breeding plans, and it will feature a panel discussing mating, nicking, confirmation traits, broodmare preferences, as well as stallion selection. Wow. Pretty cool, right? Very cool. So all that is available on um, the OwnerView virtual network right there. Also, I happen to notice the Toba owner of the month for November is you. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. What a uh Congratulations. I mean, Should I just read about you? No, you should not <laughs> read about me. 
<laughs> no, it was a nice honor. I really appreciate it. I am a Toba board member. Um, I'm actually going, Michelle, I don't know if I told you this. I'm going to Kentucky next week. And on December 14th and 15th, I am sitting in on the graded stakes committee meeting. Oh, yes, you did. Yeah. So um, apparently, you you know, be, is it hard for you, though, because you're Southern California based? If some people are like, the Malibu shouldn't be a great one. Are you like, oh, hold on, some good horse that come on the Malibu? Well, like, you know what, Michelle, which is going to be difficult for me. I don't think I'm allowed to, like, participate, really. I think they before you can actually just want you to sit there and look pretty. Yeah, I think before. <laughs> thank you. I think before you get onto the committee, you have to watch it and and learn and and read all about it and so i have like a, some books that i have to study and i get to go in and just observe i don't think i'm a, I, I don't know i i do i know i have no idea but i don't think i'm going to be actually quote unquote participating in in the actual meeting but it's going to be really cool i'm actually really looking forward to it interesting okay well we expect a full report yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if it's like secret. I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, right. Like You're they're like, like, oh, this race is in jeopardy. <laughs> like you better enter because it's the last time it's going to be a grade two. Right. Um. Yeah, I have no idea what the uh, rules and regulations are, but it should be interesting. So, uh, yeah, I will report report back uh, after after that meeting. Um. All right, Michelle, do you want to uh, get to your great interview with uh, with Jimmy? Jimmy right, George, coming up. Coming up right now on the Owner's Box. We'll be right back. Welcome here to the Owner's Box. I am so excited right now. By hearing my voice, you'll know it's very early in the morning my time, but my guest is coming from overseas. It is the marketing director of Tattersall Sales, Jimmy George. Thank you so much for spending the time with me this morning or afternoon in your case. It's a pleasure, Michelle. Yeah, it's just uh, just past two o'clock in the afternoon here, so slightly different and uh, probably slightly different weather as well. But uh, I don't it know is sunny. It is sunny. Well, it is about forty-three degrees in California right now. Oh, that's not typical California, is it? I mean, come winter time, it gets like this in the morning, but by the afternoon, it gets up to eighty. It's terrible. It is like the worst <laughs> thing. We have like a fifty-degree weather swing. So I dress my kids in the morning in like layers and send them off to school. And when they come home, they are in like tank tops. Yeah, it's all very confusing for everybody, isn't it? Though, so I want to. I know you're super busy. Obviously, huge week coming up here at Tattersalls. Can you just tell us a little bit about Tats itself for our American audience who might not be as familiar? Yeah, I mean Tattersalls. Basically, we are a bloodstock auction house. Uh, the company is is the oldest uh, of its type in the world. So it was founded in 1766 originally based in uh, right in the middle of London, around Hyde Park Corner, which obviously isn't a very good place to sell thoroughbreds these days. Um, and uh, as, as Pete said yesterday, um, uh, so that makes Tavisol slightly older than, than America, which uh, <laughs> every now and then gets gets pointed out when we... That is amazing. I cannot believe that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's fairly extraordinary. But um, so, yeah, we're based in Newmarket in Suffolk, which is about... Uh, 65 miles north of London, near near the great university city of Cambridge. And Newmarket, as, as most of your listeners uh, will know, is basically the sort of European hub of thoroughbred racing and breeding. It's where, um, it's where racing began uh, with King Charles II back in the, um, back in the 1600s. So we've got two race courses here. We've got 
80 odd trainers in Newmarket. We've got some of the most uh, fantastic and influential stud farms and stallion stations in and around the area and about 3000 horses in training. And of course, we've got Tannisals as well, where we offer uh, around 10,000 thoroughbreds every year. And we're, we're right in the in the thick of our sort of final final surge of the December sales now. Yes, you just went through your yearling sale. How did it go overall? Yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, it, it was record turnover for the December yearling sale and uh, record average. So uh, we, we were we were pleased. The, the clearance rate was a touch off this time last year, but uh, record number of six-figure lots, which was great. So demand for the better yearlings remains very, very solid. And uh, we've seen that throughout the year. And I think not just at, at Tattersall's, but throughout the throughout the world. I think, you know, demand for quality is, yes. is, is a pretty constant theme. Now, looking at the upcoming sales, obviously, these horses would not be ship and win if you're California-based, but you still might be interested in purchasing. You have this full sale and the mare sale coming up. I want to talk about the full sale. What are some of the standouts that you think? Well, the full sale started today, so we're, we're, we're up and running with that. And uh, I think it's fair to say we've got, we've got foals by pretty well every single one of the of the of the top 20 stallions currently standing in Britain Ireland and a, and a few by some of the top French stallions as well so you know the, the highlights you expect to be those foals by Frankel and, uh, and 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 the like actually we have one catalog by Dubar we sadly he's he's um he's been scratched but oh. so basically all of the top european sires so Frankel Lope de Vega Kingman these uh, these top ten sires they're all well very well represented and uh, you know it's it's regarded as the the, the premier foal sale in Europe and uh, happily it lives up to that billing every year not just for the pin hookers obviously it's dominated by pin hookers but uh, we we attract a lot of um, a lot of buyers who are buying to race as well and uh, probably the headline act this year was uh, a, a Frankel cult called Chaldean who won the two thousand guineas back in the first week of May yes. for um, Prince Khaled Abdullah, the late Prince Khaled's uh, Judmont Farms, and has just retired to their Banstead Manor stud alongside his sire, Frankel. So, yeah, it's a, it's a constant source of pin-hooking success, but also some very high-class racehorses. How many foals do you sell um, in the sessions? So each day we catalogue sort of between 250 and 280 odd foals. And in total, it's a catalogue of just over a thousand hips. So it's a four day sale spread over five days. We have a, a sort of regroup day on Thursday. Um, and the, and the, the probably the, the strongest of the foals will be offered on the Friday. Now, we also have a mare sale coming up and that kind of caps off the tats year. I feel like in America, we also end with um like a mixed sale but i feel like the yearling is really our highlight is the mayor highlight or the mayor sale the highlight for you guys or is it just the it's, way the year ends yeah it's it's amongst the highlights michelle i mean <clears throat> excuse me but book one of the october yearling sale is is very much regarded as the premier sale of its type in europe and it it lives up to that billing every year and i guess the 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 pinnacle, the, the the very top end of the December mayor's sale would be uh, regarded as up up there up there with book one of the October yearling sale in terms of how eagerly awaited it is and sort of the the averages and top prices expected at those two particular fixtures. So last year the highest price horse we sold in the course of the year was was a fantastic multiple group one winning filly called Alcohol Free. 
at the December sales, the highlight of our Scepter sessions, she made 5.4 million guineas. So she was the highest price horse we sold in the course of last year, rather than it being a yearling. Sometimes it's a yearling at book one. Sometimes it's a filly or mare from the December sales. It just depends. And you guys have named your mare sessions. I don't, I don't want to butcher it. What's it called? <laughs> so we introduced this last year and they're called the Scepter Sessions. Oh, it was and, uh, Scepter. Okay. Yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on. And I was scared. I didn't know how far my Harry Potter was going to take me there. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, it was, that's a good guide. So Scepter was this unbelievable race filly back at the turn of the last century. So she was racing in the early, the early years of the 1900s. She was quite extraordinary. She is the only horse ever to have won four out of the five British classics outright. Um, she was a truly remarkable race filly. And she was sold at Tattersall's on more than one occasion. And uh, when we decided to introduce these, these, set, these sessions where we wanted to feature the elite um, fillies and mares on offer at the Tattersall's December sales, we thought that Scepter was the right profile of filly to, to mark these these um you know to, to define these these elite fillies and mares so that's why it's named the scepter sessions i love it that is so fantastic um i want to ask are there any u.s people that show up for tats now like is it still one or two sprinkled here and there or are you seeing a bigger representation i'd say heavier representation from north america in the last few years and uh, we've we've seen some really strong teams coming to book one of the october yearling sale in in recent years and they've they've had huge success uh, you know in particular the, the the chad brown Klarovich, mike ryan team who uh -huh. every time they come here they go home with at least one grade one winner from from book one of the october yearling sale but in terms of the december sale American breeders have always been uh, played a prominent part. It's um, this is a this is a sale which has a quality breeding stock who uh, would grace paddocks on the finest stud farms anywhere in the world. So it's a very very international sale. We'd expect to attract buyers from literally every single continent in the world uh, in the course of the four days of the December mares, and American buyers will be very very influential amongst them. Now, how do you go about recruiting horses as well as clients to come? Do you have representatives that go out and they're searching for these horses? Are they walking paddocks looking for horses? Or is Tattersall's really at the level where everyone comes to you and you just pick and choose what you guys sell? No, you can never rest on your laurels, Michelle. I mean, we we you know, we're proud that the December mayor sale is regarded as the the premier of its type in Europe. But equally, you just can't wait for people to arrive on your doorstep. You have to be out there talking to the people, talking to the breeders, talking to the owners of the race fillies um, and, you know, giving them giving them the, you know, every every reason to choose Tattersalls and the December sales for their for their top breeding stock and, and fillies in training. So it's uh, and, and that I mean, it's it's important to point out that uh, an awful lot of the, um, the, the lots offered at the December mayor's sale will be fillies who can race on and right. have done with conspicuous success all over the world, including America. Um, Fev Rover is probably the, the finest advertisement this, this year. She's won two grade ones, the E.P. Taylor and the Beverly D. And she was bought um, at the December mayor's sale a couple of years ago by Lincoln Collins for, for Tracy Farmer. So it's a, it's a very, very consistent source of high-class fillies to race on with as well as breeding stock 
I want to, I have a silly question. Why the quarter sheets? Now then, Michelle, why? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm. Like when the horses come into the sales ring, they have like the blankets on that look oh, like quarter sorry. sheets. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I get it. I just always want to know that. I'm like, why? You can't even see the whole horse. And yeah. at one point, they come off. So, so those are the, those are normally the fillies or the fillies in training. So they've okay. come from their trainer's yards. So they're still, you know, they're, they're fillies that will or will or can go on to race. I mean, that's not why they're racing. You know, they've got their, their paddock sheets on, but that delineates or, or indicates that they've come from a trainer's stables rather from rather than from a stud farm. And uh, we have a we have a very big sale of of um, racing prospects at the in, in the last week of October every year called the Autumn Horses in Training Sale, mostly colts and geldings, but again, a fair few fillies as well. So that's an entire catalogue of 1500 plus wow. devoted to horses to race on with. So it's, it's, it's a bit, it's quite a big sector of the market over here. And we'd have nearly 450 fillies in the, in the December mares and fillies sale that, you know, have the potential to go on and race. Looking at your website, it looks like you guys are also offering monthly sales online. And we've started to do a lot of that here as well. Digital sales. How have they gone for you? Yeah, it's still relatively new here. I think it's it's fair to say that the um, the country where it's really taken off um, and and reached pretty serious levels is Australia, where English have a, a an unbelievably popular online platform and some very very regular sales, and they've sold you know a very good number of, of seven figure horses in in the last couple of years. We're we're embryonic compared with that. But it was interesting yeah. that our most recent online sale was our largest numerically, 150-odd lots um, catalogued for that online sale. The top price was a breeding right to a very successful young sire called Havana Gray, who sold for £280,000. So they're catching on and they're, they're, you know, they appeal to certain sectors of the market more than others, but um, they're, they're becoming increasingly popular. And I think it's something that, that Tadassols, we felt uh, we, we need to embrace uh, we need to embrace these sort of sales. When you look at the lots that show up, what are you looking at um, majority? Are you looking at breeding stock or are there horses in training? Literally every single category, Michelle, but it would be it would be mostly mostly horses in training at this stage. Mm -hmm. Having said that, we've sold yearlings, we've sold unraced two-year-olds, you know, the sort of breeze up category and, and breeding stock. And it has proved to be very popular for breeding rights as well, stallion breeding rights. So it's a very versatile um, platform. And I think that's the key to it. The, the versatility is something that appeals to everybody. All right. I know you've sold me on coming to buy a horse, but I want to know about the atmosphere there now. So what's it like coming to Tatson and being at the sale? Every sale is different, Michelle, but the December mayor sale and and these newly newly formed scepter sessions have a pretty unique atmosphere and uh, i remember funnily enough it was actually a, a major american breeder who who took the trouble to walk up to me in the middle of the second scepter session on the tuesday night of last year's december sale and, and just said jimmy wow this is amazing i mean it literally was standing room only in the in the tattersall sale ring and a hush was descending, you know, and everybody knew that there were some unbelievable fillies and mares set to walk through the ring, and uh, that it, the, the the sale ring remained 
absolutely jam-packed from start to finish of that scepter session which was more than 50 lots and uh no it's a great atmosphere and and we love people to come and experience it and it's great that we see so many american purchases year after year and we like to think they go home having enjoyed the experience it's quite different to the way um you got it's the same but different you know right. we're all doing the same thing but the auctioneering style is a little bit different we don't use the spotters and the yipping technique that that you would at Keeneland and Phasing Tipton, and uh, so we don't get through as many as many hips as many lots in an hour. But it has a special feel of its own, and uh, it's uh, yeah, there's a, there's a rich history here, and I think people people detect that when they're when they're at Tannisals. Okay, if you don't use the yep yep, how do you run the auction? So you literally have a sort of a, a team of spotters positioned on, on the rostrum, so flanking the auctioneer at, the, at all times, but also placed within the sales arena. And they would be looking to spot bidders. So quite often the auctioneer would spot the bid himself, um, you know, without need for the spotters. But they're there as a safety net. And the, the way the system works here is that the auctioneer is required to actually see the bid. You see what okay. I mean? So actually, actually see the bid being made rather than just work off an off a sound, off off a yip. So that's what that's the fundamental difference in the system. But it's uh, it's still the same end result. But that is a lot of pressure for the auctioneer because then he's making the calls and watching the room and acknowledging. Yeah, absolutely. Look, they do a fantastic job. We've got some of the most experienced auctioneers in the world. They go out and see every single lot before they sell them, talk to the consigners, talk to the owners and, uh, you know, go through their expectations and, and, and add advice as and when appropriate. So, yeah, it's a it's a multi-layered task. And uh, but uh, they do a fantastic job for anyone coming from the States to watch this sale what would be a fundamental difference that they might be confused by or might need help with? Well, I think in some ways it might be that, that you know, just that very basic um, difference of bidding to the auctioneer rather than to a spotter. Um, right. But equally, they might also query the currency we're selling because we're still selling guineas, which is obviously the currency in Britain is the pound sterling. Um, so we're often asked, what is a guinea? And uh, it, it's a historical. And what is a guinea, Jimmy? Yeah. <laughs> it's a historical unit of currency going back to when the company was first founded. And uh, a guinea is a pound and a shilling, or in modern parlance, a pound and five pence. And that five percent, so five pence is five percent of a pound, and that is the commission. So we still take five percent, and uh, but it's so effectively we're taking the guinea. And we still sell in that currency. So when the American buyers see the conversion rate on our bid board, that's converting the dollar to a pound and five pence. That is very interesting and yet confusing for my. Yeah, I hope that now, wasn't right? too confusing. <laughs> no, no, you made a really great explanation of it. Just for me, the maths is very hard. <laughs> okay, if I'm coming to Newmarket, where's the best place to stay, and where do I have to go eat? Ah, that's a good question. That's a good question. We're, we're, <clears throat> we, we don't have as much choice as you would in Los Angeles. That's for certain. The, I've, been to, I've been to Newmarket once and I ate at a kebab place and went to a nightclub called, I don't know, Devils and Angels or Heaven and Hell or something like that. This is many, many, many years ago. <laughs> well, Michelle, I, th I think you've been to two places that I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was bragworthy. <clears throat> 
there are some there are some very there are some very popular spots in town a few italian restaurants one new one called unico another one called manjari there's um there's uh thai places chinese good indian restaurants as well a, a, a big variety and some and some nice pubs in Newmarket and in and around and of course you're only 12 miles from cambridge which is a fantastic historic city and uh, it's a great place to stay in itself great place to visit i mean it gets huge number of tourists during every during the year particularly in the summer so there's multiple options in terms of where to stay probably the number one hotel in town is the bedford lodge hotel but a lot of people like to stay um, outside Newmarket and Cambridge is very, very popular in that respect. There's some lots of nice hotels out in the country as well where you get a feel of the area. But um, as by and large, people would fly into London Heathrow Airport and we're only just over an hour and a half from there. So it's, it's very easily accessible. All right. So everyone knows now where to buy, where to stay and a couple of suggestions on where to eat. Jimmy George, the marketing director from Tattersall's joining us. So thank you again for taking the time. I know you're right in the thick of such a busy week and I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. It's been fun talking to you, Michelle, and uh, I'm very happy to do it again in the future if you if you would like. How about next time it's live so I can come? Absolutely. That That's would be like Yeah, sounds <laughs> like a plan. Perfect. Thank you, Jimmy, so much. Thanks. Bye. I mean, look, look at you, look at you all on your own. What a, my what voice, a genius. My voice I, went from like gravel to yeah. a little bit more normal. I'm, I am sick, so I'm really congested, uh, but my voice change was crazy. What was the one thing that surprised you about the Tattersalls interview? The fact that Tattersalls is older than the United States. It's crazy, right? That is, I mean, like, yeah, like, it's so crazy just to put that into perspective because, like, yes, if you think about it logically, it's like, of course it is. But also you just don't think about that because you just think of, like, our country being old, right? Right. Yeah. Have you ever – have you and Ryan ever thought maybe you would go to one of those sales or have you been to one of those sales? Um, pro No. I mean, no, I haven't been. I've been to Newmarket once just for chits and giggles. Um, but – no, we don't really have the kind of clientele to spend that kind of money. Yeah, I hear you. I'm with you, too. You uh, know, it's the buying. It's really, honestly, it's not so much even the buying, Billy. It's the quarantine and then the shipping the horses back, I feel like, that are a little bit, you know, more pricey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How have you, uh, how's your Delmar meat been, this uh, fall meat? Um, well, we did have a win, which was obviously great and That's a relief. Um, yeah. And we had a really good second, but then... Other two horses were just over their heads, and then we had one disappointing horse. Happens just how we got our first win last weekend. Oh, it was just your first win last weekend. That was our first win. That was the wildest was... win. And I'm so sorry, but we everybody in the world needed Sea of Cortez, and then you I had know. the other horse. It was like, come on, Billy. I had so many people text me, and you know it's funny because we do those race previews for our clients before the race. And sometimes I do it. Sometimes I just talk to Phil and Phil does it. And literally Phil looked in the camera and he said, I just think he's probably going to need one. I mean, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, this is like people say all the time. Oh, you guys knew you guys knew. I told everybody, if you look through my text messages of people asking me that day, I said, look, see if Cortez is training really well. Um, he, he lost his mind the first time at Del Mar and he kind of lost his mind again the other day. Right. I said, 
I said, one of these days is training exceptionally well, but this is his first start in 10 months, and I just don't know how fit he is. That's okay. There's nothing lying about that that we didn't know. I mean, you know, there's no way. And it was really funny because uh, uh, I was standing up on the veranda to watch the race, and, and Jesse was right below me, and we were kind of talking before the race to each other. And then right at the end, when, when Gio came running, I just went, Gio! It's always good when Gio wins. Do you know that Gio has won two grade ones for Little Red Feather? Can you name the two horses? Um. No going. No googling. No, I'm not. Gold Phoenix. No. Was it Balak? I feel like it was a turf horse. It was one was on the turf and one was on the dirt. Actually, sorry, both were on the tur- dirt. Oh, both were on the dirt. Sheesh. One was in the Beholder. Oh, got, is it Fault? Fault in the Santa Margarita when it was okay. a grade one. Speaking of races that have been downgraded. downgraded. For sure the other was one, Fault. The other one I don't know. The other one was the Beholder Mile. Oh. Who was it? Secret Spice. Oh, my gosh. Yep. I was trying to rack my brain. I did yep. not... Did not no, get there. No, and that was Gio uh, on one of these days. That was his 999th win. Wow. Seriously? Yeah, he's one away from 1,000. That is really cool. Yeah, it was very cool. It was, a, it was a fun way to end the weekend. And one more weekend at Del Mar, Michelle. What do we have coming up? Yes, so coming up this weekend, obviously, it is the Hollywood Turf Festival. Um, we're going to be having tons of good races, the Grade 1 Hollywood Derby, the Jimmy Durante, and the Stormy Liberal on Saturday, and then the Grade 1 Matriarch, the Cecil B. DeMille on Sunday. I heard Chad Brown's bringing four horses in for the Matriarch. Uh, Friday, we still have racing, and it's the Wine Down, so half-price bottles of wine. And then on Saturday, it is the Holiday at the Races for ladies. They're going to have 25-plus retail pop-up shops, complimentary spot and beauty treatments, and you can enter in a raffle. And that's for all racetrack attendees located track set at the Plaza de Mexico, as well as the Hacienda Room. So to me, that sounds like a ton of fun. And then on Sunday, closing day, they're going to have the Taste of the Turf Club, as well as um, the San Diego Food Bank is going to be out. And you can get free entry if you bring some non-perishables. I think the matriarch might be the race of the meat. (laughs) Uh, it's going to be awesome. I hear Chad Brown for Phil's got three or four. Wakanaka for Bill Mott. You got Ruby Nell, the good three-year-old that just was dominant in the autumn miss. Um, I mean, it is going to, there's going to be some speed in there. Woo, looking forward to it. Elm Drive, baby. Woo-hoo. Well, special thanks to uh, Tattersalls for, for hooking us up with the interview today. Um, and uh special thanks to everybody who listens to the show. And we are part of the In the Money Media Network. Uh I am reachable at Billy at LittleRedFeather.com. With any questions about horse racing, please feel free to reach out via email anytime or tweet us at BKLRF at the Michelle U or the show at Own a Horse. Uh we probably are gonna end up taking a little break, I imagine, Michelle, between yep. uh, before Santa Anita kicks out. Yep. Uh, the new Santa the first Santa Anita condition book came out today. I heard. Yeah, you better get working. <laughs> Yeah, right. Ryan's hiding it from me. He's like, here, have a Chanel catalog instead. (laughs) Get cracking. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.